if you will, if you will just turn with me to Deuteronomy 11, that's where we're going to be today, so I'll give you a few minutes to get there. Uh, we're going to try to cover the whole chapter, so I'm going, we're going to hit big chunks of uh, 32 verses. Some we're going to skip over, and you can talk about in your small groups. Um, but we're going to... Um, we're going to hit as much as possible, so buckle up. I already have my sleeves rolled up. We're ready to go, ready to go to work. So um, really quickly, last to connect us to where we've been, one of the key verses from last week in chapter 10 said this, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God? To walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today we come before you and desperately need your help. We are ignorant, hard-hearted, and we wander often. We are sheep that have gone astray, and we need a shepherd. So God, help us to connect to the words of Moses, and will you lead our heart in the ways that we should go? Will you help us choose today to obey? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 11 is um, basically the end of Moses' introduction to the law, which he started in chapter 4. And it serves as a conclusion to this section and places the audience in the position of a decision. So in other words, today is Fisher Cut Bait Day. We have been hammered. With this idea of loving obedience. And Moses is going to call the people today to obey. Choose today. Choose today. And so through examples and illustrations. And repeated exhortations. The constant thrust is on the importance of choice. The benefits of a right choice and the disasters of a wrong one. Years ago, um, before I was a parent, our family got together as it usually does, extended family for time together and usually has a lot of food involved and lots of fun hanging out. And one of my nephews, who was a toddler at the time, was wandering around, you know, and like most extended families, everybody was doing a little parenting. Uh, things were, were happening. And there was a certain thing that he shouldn't be touching because it was dangerous to him. And his parents gave him instruction. Aunts and uncles gave him instruction. But as soon, you know what's going to happen, right? As soon as his parents or everybody else were distracted by something else, the hand started to go out. And immediately... Before he could touch the forbidden fruit, he was gathered up and thrown into a chair 
And his parent, with a very stern voice, said, You are now in time out. I will be back in a few moments to talk to you about the consequences of your decision to disobey. And in that instant, with great concern and anxiousness about what, what was coming, he looked at his mom and said, But I don't want the consequences." All of us want the freedom of choice. We want the ability to choose what we want, when we want it, no matter if it's good for us or not. But just like a toddler, we don't want the consequences when we choose to disobey. Yet the consequences in the dis discipline that comes to a child's life from a loving parent are put there in order to educate. When we think of the idea of discipline, we think about all its negative values, its connotations, its effects. However, the discipline of God is the education of God. He teaches his people both by gracious acts on their behalf and on acts of judgment. Writer of Hebrews says this, and you, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor the weary, or be weary when approved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Discipline is a loving act that is to produce in us a righteousness that changes how we live in the future. Moses is reminding Israel once again of God's discipline. And he is calling them today to radical obedience. So turn with me to the beginning of our passage. Moses says, you shall therefore, because of chapter 10, what we studied last week, love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, his commandments always. And consider today, since I am not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it, consider the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness his mighty hand, his outstretched arm, his signs, his deeds that he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land. And what he did to the army of Egypt, to the horses and to their chariots, how he made the waters of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day, and what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Dathan. And Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the sons of Reuben. How the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their household, their tents, and every living thing that followed them in the midst of all Israel. For your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord that he did. Moses is looking at this young generation, 
And he is saying, because Yahweh, verse 21 of chapter 10, because Yahweh is the one true God, he is your praise, he is your God, who has done these marvelous and great and even terrifying things. You shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, his commands, always. Always. Moses is saying to the people of God, stop. Stop and take a breath. Take a moment and consider Consider today, consider you parents, consider you men of God, you women of God, consider God's discipline, his greatness, his might, his signs, his deeds. Think for a moment about what your eyes have seen. All the great works the Lord has done. You saw them. And Moses uses this constant repetition of these ideas and words and phrases to coalesce the message of Deuteronomy. It's almost like a machine gun effect throughout the chapter. He's just going to go. And he's doing that to mark the intensity of. Of the Lord's desire to remold his people and to plant into their minds the necessity of total allegiance. Total allegiance to him. It's just got a hammer like repetitive style. And Moses is saying continually choose today to obey. Choose today to obey. You can say that. Choose today to obey. If you get nothing else from the rest of our time together, you should walk out of here eating lunch today, looking at the menu and saying, Choose today to obey. When your son or daughter stands off to you this afternoon, you can, you can just speak right back. Choose today to obey. When your parent gets frustrated and angry at you today, children, you can also say, choose today to obey. But listen to me. The context of this passage is vital. Moses is talking to the younger generation of Israel. For the previous generation has what? We've learned. They've died off. They've been wandering around the desert for 40 years. And the disobedient generation is gone. The members of his audience were the children of the exodus. The children of the Passover who had grown up in the desert and were now leading their own families. These were the 40, 50-year-olds. They had their own kids, their own families. 
They were now the leaders. And Moses is looking at them and he is calling them out. These were not just those that had heard of the Passover or the Exodus. These were the children saved by the mighty acts of God. Listen to this. I'm going to read Exodus 12. Let me just read this to you really quickly. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, verse 21, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lentils in the, door, in the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and then he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, and the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your homes to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statue for you, for your sons forever. And when you come into the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and they worshipped. Moses is saying, remember what happened. Remember. And Moses points to say, remember, verse 3. He says, do you remember what God did for you? Do you remember how he delivered you from slavery from the Egyptians? How he fought for you? How he destroyed their armies? In verse 5, do you remember what he did for you and to you in the wilderness? Forty years. Do you remember? And then in verse 6, he says, do you remember those who rebelled? Do you remember them? Do you remember their consequences? You should, for in number 16, it's very clear what happened. They rebelled against God's chosen one. They rebelled against God's plan. And the earth opened up and swallowed them and everyone with them. Two complete families, multiple generations, tents, animals, everything. That's an effective teaching tool. If you have seen people swallowed up by the earth, I'm believing that makes an impression on you. I'm not thinking you walk away from that thinking lightly about God's judgment and discipline. Even if you're a little kid, that messes with you. That marks you. Probably be in counseling for that later on. But listen to me. Moses' purpose is to impress on this younger generation of Israelites that it is their responsibility to obey God. Here and now, today. 
neither relying on the obedience of previous generations nor passing it on to the next. It is their day to obey. In other words, each generation has to choose. Each generation of God's people. While they are connected, they also have individual responsibility. We're no different. With every generation, there is a responsibility and a calling to choose. Moses' audience had watched bad choices of their parents and the consequences of wandering the consequences of wandering for 40 years and dying in the desert, never reaching the promised land. So what about you? A lot of 40 and 50-year-olds around here. A lot of folks leading families with children. What about you? What have you seen? Consider your experience of God, what you have seen with your own eyes. Whether you have seen in the generation before you the blessings of a life of obedience or whether you have seen the consequences of disobedience. Remember, learn, choose today for yourself to live in loving obedience to a loving God. Can, can we just step out for one second? And I, I want you to think about something. Consider today what you're laying before the next generation in this room. In your home. There are a lot of young single people in this room that need an example of what it means to obey as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a mother, as a leader in the church. What are they getting from you? What are the kids that God has blessed you? You know, we easily say that children are a blessing from the Lord. Really? Are you a blessing to them? How will you be used in the hand of God to educate the next generation about the beauty of a life of obedience? What will be your legacy? Will it be blessing or will it be curse? What will it be? See, God's purpose in the Exodus was still directly relevant to those gathered on the plains of Moab. God not only brought his people out of the land of slavery, but he intended... To bring them into the promised land. A place of blessing. 
But there would be a proper way to live in the land. And Moses has been preparing them for that. They must be prepared. So Moses goes on in our passage and he says, You shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and take possession of the land that you are going over to possess and that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring. The land flowing with milk and honey. For the land that you are entering to take possession of It is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables. But the land that you are going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water by the rain from heaven, a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year till the end of the year. Moses, once again, with his rapid fire and hammer-like work, calls the people to follow his commands fully. There's no opt-out. There's no, well, I kept part of it. Or, that's just too hard, I'm out. It's either obey or rebel. Those are your two options. Not sort of, kind of. Here's an amazing thing that he does. He gives them another illustration. The vast gap between the limited blessings that come from human ingenuity and not obeying God and the blessings that come from God's hand, his gracious provision and blessing to those who will obey. And he pits them against each other. You see, in the land of slavery, blessings are achieved by toil and hard work and are limited. Fruit and crops could be produced. They could be produced from planted seeds, but only through irrigation and artificial means. But in the promised land, blessing came by a gift from heaven an endless supply of gracious provision. Those who lived in this land would not be dependent on human ingenuity, but on the provision of God, endless and abundant. The moral lesson, Christopher Wright says, is obvious. If you need rain to survive, and if God sends rain, then you would be well advised to faithfully obey the commands of God and to maintain covenant love, loyalty, and service. It's not rocket science. If God has what you need, why would you buck him? Why would you fight him? Why wouldn't you lovingly obey There's a very important point about these two lands that I want to bring out to you. Moses is saying that these blessings are for the land. And Israel's obedience would put them in the land, the place where the blessings already were 
See, God was preparing a land for his people, and he was preparing a people for his land. God was writing the curse of the garden. God is redeeming what has been broken by sin, and he is redeeming a people and a place. Their obedience in ours does not earn us blessing like some magical, meritorious exchange. I do this so God will bless me this way. No, Israel's identity as God's chosen people and their obedience put them in the place of blessing. The blessing already existed in the very nature of the land and its relationship to God. God cared for it already. His eyes were already upon it. But it could only be appropriated and enjoyed by Israel as they lived a life of faith and obedience. Not very different. This is a recurring theme throughout Scripture. This is the story of God. God prepared a perfect place and he put man in it. Man rebelled and was cast out of a place of blessing by the curse, a curse that brought death and toil. God prepares a place of promised land, a promised land of milk and honey, and chooses a people and redeems them and prepares them for the land, yet they rebel. God promises to send a Savior to redeem a people for his very own possession and build a place for them. And one day, they will inhabit that place of restoration, a place of blessing, a place where he dwells with his people. And he has called his people to prepare themselves for his return when he will lead them to that place. They are to live now a life of faith and obedience. In verse 13 and 14, Moses draws their attention once again toward the connection of obedience and blessing. If you will indeed obey, love, serve God, he will give. He will give lavishly. He will give generously. But, verse 16 and 17, take care lest your heart be deceived. And you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will kindle against you. And he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain. And the land will yield no fruit. And you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. Warning. Warning. When you enter God's blessing, be careful that you remember. That you stay faithful to the one true God, your praise and your God. Be careful not to pay homage or attribute the blessings in your life to idols or false gods or personal ingenuity. For if you do, the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you. God will shut up the heavens. His blessings will cease and you will perish. The people of God were once again to recognize that the Lord is the giver of all good things. That he is the God of blessing. That he gives graciously and abundantly. If they failed to do so, they would learn the hard way once again. And they would repeat history. 
God does not respond to us in just graciousness. He responds to us in justice as well. Obedience puts us in the place of blessing and disobedience places us in the place of discipline and judgment. In God remains the final control of everything that affects human life, including climate, including blessing, including judgment. Yahweh, the one true God, is just, He is sovereign, He is providential. So choose today to obey. Going on, once again. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontals between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children. Talking of them when you are sitting in your house. And when you are walking by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. It was the words of Moses documenting the acts and the character of God that would keep before that would keep this amazing God in all of his works before the next generation. John Selhammer writes this, Moses turns to the responsibility given to the parents and guardians of the next generation, their children who had not witnessed with their own eyes the great acts of God. For that generation and for the subsequent ones, God's great acts were to be seen now in the words of Scripture. The first priority is thus given to Scripture as the means of teaching the greatness and grace of God. So, Northwake member, pastor, elder, intern, church planner, dad, mom, teacher, small group leader, student, whoever you are in this room. Moses has set the scriptures before you today as the primary means of grace in order to keep you from deception, disobedience, and serving false gods. Knowing is vital to obedience. It's hard for my sons to obey me if I do not articulate what I'm asking them to obey. God has articulated it to us in his word. So what place does the word of God have in your life? Would you say that you lay up or fix the scriptures in your heart and in your soul daily? Do you post them all around you? Do you teach the scriptures to your children? Do you talk about them in your home? Do you take them with you to work? What position does the scripture have in your life? Moses says, 
that this is what will drive your obedience and multiply your days and your children's days in the place of blessing. The word will keep you focused on the place of blessing, reminding you of who God is, what he has done, and who you are and your need for him. In 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy that in the last days there will be people who will give the appearance of godliness but deny its power. There's a long list of the ways that they will do that. But Paul tells Timothy to avoid these people. And he says, but as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped, for every good work. So today, with Moses, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. So today, if you obey, blessing. If you disobey, curse. But listen. Here's the beauty of the gospel. When you were under the curse, in slavery to sin, sentenced to death, God sent his one and only son, Jesus to live a perfect life of obedience that you could not live, but God demands. And this sinless Savior became your sin offering. He became your Passover lamb. His blood can save you from the judgment of God. He became your exodus. In his death and his resurrection, he parted the sea of enmity that separated you from God. And all of this can be yours and is yours. By the power of the Spirit through faith. Placing your faith in Christ and giving Him your full allegiance puts you in the place of God's blessing. A place where you can walk in loving obedience to a loving God. So will you consider today what your eyes have seen? All the great and mighty works of the Lord and what he has done. His mighty hand, his outstretched arm, his signs, his deeds, what he has done. Will you choose Christ today and will you walk in obedience? That is the call 
of God's word to you today? Will you forsake your sin? Believe on Christ and walk in obedience. God is preparing you for a place. And he is calling you to be holy as he is holy. But the beautiful gift of the gospel is that he has done it all for you. And all you have to do is walk in faith and obedience. And he will bless you beyond measure. Beyond anything you can imagine. So today, as we respond to his word, there are two ways set before you today. One that leads to blessing and the other curse. Please, take time and consider today Consider today. Today is the day to obey. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we meditate on your word and we ask you to move upon us, God, we ask by your spirit and by the power of your word, would you transform us? Will you humble us? Will you help us confess our sin and repent of it and turn from it that we might walk in obedience to you? Second Peter tells us that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. Help us to walk in faith. We pray this. In the matchless name of Jesus.